And it's Shavua Tov to all the listeners to another wonderful week of Learning Torah on Air. Glad that you're joining me. And uh, as always, I love to hear from you. So as we are going through the show, if you have any questions or comments, or would like to share anything on topic that I'm speaking about, which is, of course, Tehillim, you're most welcome to SMS on 34519, uh, WhatsApp on 0621482374, and if you really want to have voice-to-voice contact, you can use our on-air number 0746547335. I hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. We, thank God, um, had the opportunity to to just get away and uh, Spend some time in the magnificence of the Drakensberg. Hashem's really, really magnificent, humongous, beautiful open spaces, fresh, fresh mountain air was a very, very welcome reprieve to the treadmill running that we do in Johannesburg. But uh, we're back on the treadmill running, doing, learning, helping and trying to make our little corner of the world a better place. And one of the ways that we make our world a little bit of place is always to learn some Torah. And uh, I'm going to continue sharing with you the book of Tehillim, the book of Psalms, um, which was primarily authored by King David. And we are uh, on step two of 22 steps. Last week we started learning chapter 119, um, which is the longest chapter of Tehillim. And uh, as explained last week, this chapter is 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 vitally important. Um, it is is esoteric in its nature, but it's important because we use it a lot when we are praying for people, um, whether it is when when they are ill, um, if we are standing by the matzeva, by the tombstone, at shiva, or at any other time that that we want to pray particularly for someone, we use these verses to pray for the person's name. And the way that we do it is we take. Um, each letter of their Hebrew name, um, together with Ben or Bat, meaning son or daughter of, and then their mother's name, if we're praying for somebody that is alive. And we say the eight verses which each portion of Kuv Yutet is divided. So the first eight verses start with the letter Aleph, the next with the letter Bet, the next eight with the letter Gimel, and so forth and so on. And so if we are, say, davening for, praying for David, we will say Dalid. The eight verses for Dalad, then we'll say the eight verses for Vav, then we'll say the eight verses for Dalad. You got the hang of it. You're still not sure. Listen to my podcast from last week, from the introduction to Psalm 119, um, and that is explained in more detail. So we're going to start speaking about <clears throat> the second uh, set of letters, which is the letter Bet, after Aleph, after A comes B, the letter Bet, um, and the eight verses that are pertaining to the letter bet. Now the letter bet, um, has a lot that we can just even just discuss about the letter in and of itself. We know that this is the letter that starts the Torah, Bereshit, in the beginning starts with the letter bet. Very interestingly, last week we, we spoke about Aleph standing for Alufo Oilam, the, 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 the leader or the, the, um, the master of the universe because Aleph stands for Hashem. Bet is about his bayit. Bet and bayit actually have the same letters. We just pronounce them 
through vowels in a different way. We're now talking about the home, the house that God created, Bereshit in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. He created a dwelling place for us in this world, and our purpose is for us to find godliness in this world where godliness is concealed. Um, God's light came into this world, was the creative force behind everything in this world, but in creating it all, God concealed himself within this world, and it's man's duty to reveal that light. And the way we reveal the light is by learning Torah, keeping mitzvahs, and making this a better place. And the the purpose of it all is once we're able to, to elevate this world into a godly place, we will be blessed with the arrival of Mashiach, the arrival of the Messiah, which just, by the way, is coming oh so soon. And um, we will live in a world where there will be peace, there will be harmony, there will be no more ill health, there will be no more death, there will be no more anger and jealousy and all these nasty things. We will live in a, a utopia. We'll, go, we'll have reverted the world back to the Garden of Eden before Adam and Eve sinned. And really, that's been the job of all of us. It's been pretty difficult. I think we can all agree um, through all the difficulty that we have gone through the thousands of years. Um, a lot of pain, a lot of anguish, a lot of uh, hard stuff that uh, we as a people and as a world have gone through. But uh, this this job of making a dwelling place for God in this world, um, is, is, is it's, it's a difficult one. But we're achieving it. Surely, slowly, um, and in fact, we're almost at, at the end. So the letter bet, when we come look at the verses in the, in, in the Tehillim Kufyut Tet, come in response or follow from what we spoke about last week. Aleph, meaning God is the master of the universe. He created it. And we, we were speaking last week primarily about the giving of the Torah. Now it says, the Talmud actually says, that the letter Bet represents Bina, understanding. And once King David has originally and as he did discuss through, through the, the letter Aleph, our basic obligation to study, to study Torah. That's what we, we, we spoke about last week. He then now says, you have to delve, deep, deep, uh, delve deeper. It's not just good enough to just get the information. It's kind of like saying to the kid, you know, just learn the material enough to pass the test. It's not good enough just for us to learn Torah, what to do, what not to do, you know, and just carry on then with our lives. We're obligated to delve deeper into the realm of the divine knowledge and to apply bina, to apply perception and careful analysis um, to everything that that is got, that 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 God is commanding us to do. We did say naseh v'nishma. We will do and we will hear. But once we've got the naseh, once we see that God um, is the master of the world and He has commanded us and we subservient to that, then we've got to nishma. We've got to learn. We've got to understand. And bina understanding is a, a, one of the three intellectual capacities of a human being. So let's take, divert just for a moment just to understand Bina a little bit more. Okay, we understand, we're, we're taught in Hasidus, we're taught in the, the teachings, or the mystical teachings, that there are three intellectual capacities. There's Chochmah, wisdom, Bina, understanding, and Da'at, knowledge. And uh, we're taught that when we are trying to understand something, as all of you out there who are listening to me now, you're in the mode of bina. Okay, chokhmah is when you actually just give 
um, over a, a an idea, a, a point, and it's just sent to you. Four plus four equals eight. With Chochmah Yanzah, four plus four equals eight. But then let's actually understand how four plus four equals eight. And when we delve into the mathematics and the understanding behind it, we go into the gear of Bina, of understanding, of, of dissecting, of saying, let's understand why does four plus four equal eight. Once we've understood it, we go into the third gear of, 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 um, <clears throat> Applying our intellect into da'at, into knowledge, which means then now that I do understand how four plus four equals eight, I can go into the shop and buy four candles and four apples, and I'll know that I'll come out with eight items. I will apply my knowledge. So we keep on vacillating when we are using our intellectual capacity and um, between those three different modes of, 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 of grasping what is given to us. The, the main one-liner, the chokhmah, this is what it is, 4 plus 4 equals 8. Then into the bina, okay, the understanding. Why does 4 plus 4 equal 8? And let's discuss all of that. And then the dart now will take that 4 plus 4 concept and I will apply it to my life. So the letter bet represents the understanding. And really what King David is coming to tell us in the next eight verses is that once we are applying ourselves to the study of Torah, once we start getting, you shall do this, you shouldn't do this, you can do this, you shouldn't do that, etc., etc., then what we have to do is we need to delve deeper and we need to gain an understanding why. The Jewish question of why is an important one. Sometimes not necessarily do we get all the answers, but we're always, always encouraged to ask the question why, which is very, very important. And just on a sideline, talking about Bina, one of the other ideas that is that is well known in Judaism is that when it comes to human beings, um, we're told that women are giving are given an extra measure of bina, of perception, of intuition, of deeper understanding. And it is written that for men, and listen to this men, that if you are you, you are in a quandary, you should listen to your wife. You should listen to, to the female intuition simply because women are given an extra dose of bina, of perception, of understanding when it comes to, to, to what is happening in the world. It's a, it's a much bigger discussion overall, but, um, in itself, we do, we do have a bina yesera, an extra measure of this, um, this perception. So King David is coming and teaching that one needs to apply the word of God to solve the problems in everyday life. And in order to apply that, we have to start using our understanding. We shouldn't take things just as they are. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Okay, so let's get stuck into uh, these eight verses and see what understanding, what what we can understand more um, about the letter better and about the main theme that runs through these next eight verses. Verse 1 or verse the first verse of the next eight verses, though it is verse number 9, reads as follows. Uh, just let me see over here. Right. Bame yizake na'ar et orcho lishmor kidvarecha. How can a youngster purify his path? How? Lishmor kitvarecha, by observing your word. So here is a very interesting um, idea because last week we spoke a lot about the word derech. 
Okay, and King David uses the word derech a lot. And last week we explained that the word derech means a way. Um, it really means a, a highway. Okay, it started in, in the first verse, Ashrei Timimei Darech. Uh, praiseworthy are those who walk um, um, in your way. And he said, he, we basically explained that derech means a highway, a, a main way. And the main way to serve God is to serve him through Torah. Here, suddenly David kind of like asks a, a question. <clears throat> Excuse me. He says, How can a young, youngster purify his path? And so now we see that he's changed from a derech, which implies a direction in life, a broad path, to a orchot. Orchot are paths, pathways. So we know that as a person makes his way down uh, the road of life, he's often detoured. We're often detoured. Why? Because we have problems. We have all sorts of details that will take our attention away from keeping the main thing, the main thing, the main goal which is to make a dwelling place for God in this world, to be a servant of God, to serve God in this world. We just get diverted, whether it's because we need, we're raising a, a family or we're, we're having to make money or, or anything. Many, many things come our way and our, our, our main goal of what we are supposed to be accomplishing is just taken away and we kind of like take a, a different path, a distraction. We can call our hot paths a better word for it probably is distractions. And what happens with these distractions is that they confuse us. They puzzle us. While we've got the highway of our life mapped out clearly, we know that when we look down a main road, not necessarily are the side roads charted, known. And if we are, an inexper- if we are inexperienced, we can easily lose our way. If, we are, if our sense of direction is not well developed, we can easily get lost on these remote paths and never find our way back to the main road in life. So King David asks the question, how can a youngster, how can a young person purify his path? Meaning David is saying, I recognize, you know, you can understand what the main thing is, but then you get down to the nitty gritty of life. You start living life and you, you lose the plot because we're inexperienced. We don't know. And here it's not only talking about the youngsters, the young of our of of our generation that haven't got the experience of life it's also talking about somebody that could be much much older but hasn't had the opportunity to learn torah hasn't had the opportunity to set out goals in their lives and understand who they are and what they want and why, why god put them on this earth etc etc you could be 95 years old and still be a naar a young person in that you have um a an uh, experience so we need to know what is it, what is it that will not allow us to deviate from, 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 from the main highway? I want to give you perhaps an example. Say somebody is a dedicated Shomer Shabbos observer. You keep Shabbat. You keep Shabbat. And then suddenly God gives you a, you know, a, a, a challenge in your life. You land in acute financial distress. Now, if you're not strongly committed to what the main goal is and understanding what God wants from you and what he expects of you, then we could get sidetracked, God forbid, and we could stop or lessen our observance of, of Shabbos. We could, God forbid, desecrate it. Why? Because we would be tempted to solve our financial problems. So King David says, how does one purify his path? How does one assure 
ourselves that the young people, the inexperienced students, the people who are not um, strong in what their main thing, you know, what what their main beliefs are, how do we, how do we get, how do we stick to it? We leash more kitvarecha. We know that the most important thing is to God to keep to observe all the words of God. Okay. Um, in 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 Proverbs in Mishlei, King Solomon says, "Bechol derachecha tedehu." You should know him in all of your ways. Okay, he has the derech, your highways. Vehu yiyasher or chotecha, and he will straighten your paths. Listen to that again. Bechol derachecha tedehu. You should know him. Da, sorry, bechol derachecha daehu. You should know God on all your highways. Meaning, you should know the main things in life. And when you're going to get distracted, what happens? He will straighten your paths. Meaning, Hashem will help you. He's only testing you to see, you know, God forbid you have acute financial distress, but you do keep Shabbos, that you still keep Shabbos. Um, he will, he will help, help you come. Um, from the straight. So Lishmor Kidvarecha means that you need to meticulously follow the instructions of the Torah from your earliest youth until, you know, your, your, the, the last, the last breath that you take. Because then it becomes ingrained in your nature. You know, um, what it is that, that is needed to be done and you do it irrespective of what the world is shouting at you or the difficulties that you have in life. So Bame Yizakenat Orcho Lishmor Kidvarecha how do how do we purify your path by observing your words? Very interestingly, I saw this as a one-liner. I don't necessarily understand all of it, but it says that this verse, Bame Yizakenad Orcho Lishmor Kedvarecha, is a skula for anger. If you tend to get angry, say this verse over and over again, and it will hopefully dissipate your anger. I mean, I could venture a, a guess in that. Um, it's saying like, how do you want to purify yourself? Observe your word. Like, just hold yourself back when you're angry. One of the worst things that happens when one is angry is that you actually lose it and you say things that you don't want to say. So the best way to control the anger, it says, uh, this is a scholar for um, for getting rid of anger. Bien may let's go on to <clears throat> verse number ten, which is the second verse. Bechol al with all my heart. I sought you. I looked for you. I searched for you, God. Al tashgeni mi mitzvosecha. Don't let me stray from your commandments. What King David was saying over here is that I'm I'm putting my entire body and soul, my entire attention, all my intellectual powers, um, into the study of your Torah. I didn't study Torah for ulterior motives. One could think that one should study Torah because then one could become a great scholar, maybe, etc., uh, etc. Et I I did it because. Um, I wanted to, and I realized that this is the the right path. And then he he begs God, "Al mitzvotecha, let me not stray from your commandments." Meaning, ultimately, once you've learned Torah, you will come to realize that true wisdom is unattainable through human effort alone. And if God doesn't bestow upon us our wisdom, we will become a victim of self-deception. So King David says, I have studied your Torah. I've understood a lot, but still I plead for the gift of genuine divine wisdom. Okay. Um, help me out here because we can, even the greatest scholar, the, he who knows maybe the length and breadth of Torah, you still can make a mistake because 
our ego and our self-deception is very, very strong. So we should always know that whatever we do has to be bisiata deshmaya, with the help of heaven, because without it, we won't succeed. We will take the wrong path. Verse 11, the third verse reads, Belibi tzafanti imratecha, leman lo echeta od. In my heart, I treasured your word so that I would not sin against you. From a historical point of view, uh, the Talmud goes and explains this verse as a commitment of David's part to refrain from teaching Torah. Okay, because he says, in my heart, I treasured or I concealed your word. So why was David vowing to conceal God's word in his heart? So um, the Talmud goes on to explain that David had a teacher. That teacher's name was Iria Hayairi. Okay, that was his teacher. And all the time that David that 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 David's teacher was alive, he did not teach a Torah lesson or issue a halachic decision because he felt that that would be very very disrespectful to his mentor. After Ira Hayairi died, then David started teaching Torah to the multitudes. He was very, very respectful of that. So in my heart, I concealed your word so that I would not sin against you is coming to teach um, this historical fact about David and perhaps to give us a teaching of of, of, of having respect for those who have a greater knowledge um, than you. We always it's it's kind of it's 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 a a great hierarchical um food chain so to speak when it comes to learning torah if you know aleph then teach aleph if you know aleph and bet then teach aleph and bet because always there'll be somebody that knows gimel and will have to be teaching it to you and so we're able one to feed off the other one to learn one off the other um always with the respect that those that know more than us um you know, have to be respected and honored, and uh, we shouldn't have the chutzpah, chutzpah of saying, well, I know better than you. The next verse is an interesting verse, because then what happens is that King David actually praises God. He goes, Baruch atah Hashem lamdeni chukecha. Blessed are you, Hashem, who teach us your statutes, your laws. Now, the first thing is, is that we can see that the first three letter, the first three words of this verse make up the first three words of all blessings that we make. Baruch atah Hashem. Blessed are you, Hashem. Now, a blessing, let's just have a little bit of a, a discussion about a bracha, what, what a blessing means. There are many, many ideas behind blessings. The blessing, a blessing in a sense is a declaration of submission and humility before God. When we are going to eat something or we are going to do something, we are blessing God before to saying whatever it is that we are going to do right now or whatever it is that I'm going to ingest right now, I'm taking a moment to A, recognize to submit myself before you that you are the one that created this apple you are the one that commanded me to do this so it's it is a form of submission of humility before god it is also a form of gratitude before god when when we pray you know quite a long long time ago many many years ago i was speaking to to somebody 
who was very big into gratitude. And they, they said, you know, that if everybody just stopped and thanked God, um, or thanked whichever power they were talking about for, for what it is that they received every single morning and the, during the course of the day, there would be much happier people. And I smiled to myself because this person, um, was not a Jewish. They were, they were not, not connected to, 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 to anything Jewish, but they were speaking a truth that Judaism teaches us in black and white. We are commanded to make a hundred blessings a day. That's not because God just wants you to go, thank you, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like that. What it is doing is, is that it's making us live in the moment and be grateful for what it is that we have. As human beings, we're wired up always to see the glass half empty, not half full. And Torah tries to change that attitude on a daily basis. When we wake up in the morning, the first thing we say is, Thank you, Hashem. I thank you that you've even just returned my soul to its body. How lucky am I to be alive? And then as we start through the course of the day, we go through shachra, through, through the, um, the morning prayers. The very first part of all the morning prayers is a myriad of blessings, thanking God that we can see, pokeach ivrim, matira surim, that God has allowed us to be free people, zoikev kafufim, that we can stand up straight, malbish arumim, that, 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 that we have clothes, that we can, we can, we can function as human beings. And if we get into that modus operandi, if we get into that space, that paradigm, then we live life more to the full because we see the glass half full. We see we see our lives um, through a different sphere and we don't take anything for granted. We become far more sensitive human beings. So a hundred blessings a day is what we are commanded to do. And so when we make a blessing, we are saying that there are times even when your commandments God are not comprehensible to the human intellect. I don't understand what it means when I have to take a lemon-looking um, object called an etrog and three other species and shake them around. But I'm making a blessing in gratitude and in submission that you are the master of the universe and you have commanded me such on such a date at such a time. And this has to be for the good. Now, one of the interesting ideas um, that are brought over here is we have this concept called a bracha levatala. When you do a blessing that wasn't supposed to be, or you started the blessing and you said it wrong, or you started the blessing and then you got stuck and you didn't know how to finish it. So our rabbis teach that if you use the first three words, baruch atah Hashem, and I'm not using the third word properly, um, because I am not making a blessing right now, but if you pronounce God's name properly, Baruch Hashem, and then you get stuck, you should learn the two next words, Lamdeni Chukecha, that you teach me my statute, so you will not make a bracha levatala, you won't make a blessing in a mission, or you've used God's name, um, and it, it hasn't been used properly because... I don't know, you got stuck along the way or whatever have you. So learn these five words. They're, they're really, really pertinent. Baruch Ata Hashem, Lamdeni Chukecha, uh, blessed are you Hashem who teach, teach me your, 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 your statutes. And when King David was saying this, he was basically praising God, saying that I humbly and gratefully accept your blessings you bestow on me and teach me 
Teach me your statutes with humility, humil- humility. Teach me to be grateful for the opportunity to serve you with limitless loyalty. A, a really, really beautiful, beautiful, um, verse that actually, I think, encapsulates, um, a lot of, 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 of Torah's teaching of being in a place of gratitude and in a place of, of submissiveness. If you have any comments on what I've just said or um, would like to ask a question on this again, please feel free. Um, our on-air SMS is 34519. You can WhatsApp on 062-148-2374. And, hey, if you really want to talk voice-to-voice, you can on 074-654-7335. You're listening to Robertson Adel Kozilski. Welcome back, and we've got another four verses of the letter bet to go through in chapter 119. We're going to do Pasuk Yud Gimel, chapter, I mean, verse 13 right now. King David says, Bis fatai siparti ko mishpate picha. With my lips I have recounted all the judgments of your mouth. Now, the Malbim differentiates here, over here, Malbim being a commentator on the Torah, the difference between the word Haggadah and Sipur. We know that on Pesach we read what's called a Haggadah. A Sipur is a story. What is the difference between a Haggadah and a Sipur. So the Malbim explains Haggadah denotes revealing facts or events unknown to the listeners. Whereas a Sipur, a story, is repeating things that are already known to the listener. Here, King David is saying, Bis fatai siparti picha. With my lips I've recounted. I'm telling again the story. Um, and what King David is saying over here is that one must not only keep the knowledge of Torah to oneself, the knowledge of gratitude to oneself, one needs to go out and be misaper, needs to go and tell, needs to repeat this. The, the knowledgeable speaker needs to discuss and and explain his topic to another person and pass it on. As explained before, Judaism has a very nice um, flow of the way teaching is taught. If I know something, I'm going to teach it to you. Now, if you hear something, go teach it to another person. And then I will like, or, you know, listen to somebody else who's learned, heard, heard it from somebody else. And we retell um, what is being taught so that all the time, and this is really what is one of the beautiful things about Torah, is that we keep on learning the same texts. You go to university and learn the same subject over and over and over again. Actually, let's not even say university. Start in grade one and finish, go right throughout school, high school, going to university, and 23 later, years later, you're still learning the same subject, the same book. Like, you'd say, that would be pretty boring, wouldn't it? That would, like, drive one out of one's mind. But that's what we do. We keep on learning the five books of Moses over and over and over and over again throughout our entire lifetime from the time that we are able to to to, to talk. Our children are teaching us, uh, our parents are teaching us the verses of the Torah until our last breath, over 120, we are still learning the same thing. We're repeating. We're being misaper. We're telling. We're repeating it, repeating things. But in the repetition, the brilliance of learning Torah is because it is divine knowledge, we are learning it, learning it deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And honestly, 
we never can get to the bottom of the barrel. We can never get to a point where we say, we're done. We know everything. Because in tapping divine knowledge, by definition, because it is divine, it is infinite. And therefore, um, King David says, With my lips, I recount all the time, all the all, everything that comes from your mouth, Hashem. So... Um, I, I'm learning and I'm learning again and I'm learning some more and I'm finding things deeper and gaining more every time I repeat it. Verse 14 reads as follows, Bederech edvosecha sasti ka'al kol hon. I rejoiced over the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. Meaning that here the mitzvahs are considered the we hear the word edosecha testimonies are your mitzvahs and they are far more valuable than all the riches that we have our Torah that which we have has such a rich spiritual heritage that it is more glorious and more of more of value than all the riches in the entire world. And um, one of the commentators brings out a very interesting idea that the word edosecha, edut, comes from the word edi. Edi means an ornament. And basically what he says is that Jews become ennobled. They become crowned with splendor in their relationship with God. And that's why we see in the book of Malachim the words, Vayiten alav etanezer ve'eta'edut. He placed upon him the crown and the testimony, meaning that the spiritual heritage that was placed upon King David when he was made king was of of, of, was, it was made of royalty. It was worth all the jewels in the world. And he has another very interesting idea. If you look at the word Eidoisecha, or Eidotecha, if you read it in the, 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 the Svardi, you will see that we're actually forced to read it Eidvotecha, to take the Vav, which is normally pronounced as an O, Eidotecha, and read it Eidvotecha. Um, because normally the vav is it's silent; it works as a vowel. Now, one of the commentators in the Torah called the Minchas Shai, he cites a tradition that nine times in this capital, in this psalm, there's the word Eidvosecha, and it's spelt Malay. It's spelt full, meaning you don't pronounce it Eidosecha; you pronounce it Eidvotecha. You pronounce the v, the vav. Okay. So nine times it's pronounced, it's, it's written male, meaning full, meaning that you have to, that the vav is in its place. Okay. Eight of the nine times you don't use the vav with a little dot on it as an o, as a vowel. You use it as a letter. Only then, only in verse 144, which we will get to all the way down, um, you read it a dotecha. But the other eight times, you read it, Ed Votecha. And he explains why. He says that the Vav, we know, is has a numerical value of six. And um, we know six is important because God created the world in six days. And the job of, cre- of, of the creatures, of the whole of creation, 
um, of the six days is to testify to the sovereignty, to the wisdom of Hashem. And so over here where we read, I rejoiced over the ways of your testimonies. I rejoiced because I looked around. I sat on the Darkensburg and looked at these majestic mountains. I looked at the way you've created the world. I see in my life, Hashem, the richness you've given me. That is 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 more valuable than actual physical richnesses of another car and another pair of shoes, another house, etc. Verse 15 reads, Bepikudecha asicha ve'abita orchotecha. Of your precepts, your pikudecha, I will speak and I will appear at your paths. Um, this is really read as quite, quite literally that when it comes to the pikudecha, pikudecha are the, those things, are the ordinances, are the, are the things that we do in, um, to, to memorize, to, 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 not to memorize, to pay tribute to the memory of or to stand in testimony of. We will speak about them and we will look into your ways, meaning we will look at our traditions, we will take cognizant of our traditions and we will keep our traditions and we will speak about our traditions, because in having that conversation, we are maintaining the gift that God has given us through the generations of what Amin Hagimah, what um, we stand for. Every year we keep Pesach to remember the Exodus. We keep Shavuot to remember the giving of the Torah. We live in a sukkah to remember our time in the desert. We are a people that, that keep national memory alive. Verse 15 then goes and says, I will occupy myself with your statutes. I will not forget your word. Now the word Eshta'ashai, um, according to Rashi, comes from the word Sha'a, which means to be totally involved in a particular subject or a project. So Sha'ashu'ah um, is used to generally describe a child who is so totally absorbed in playing with the toy that he's oblivious, oblivious to anybody else. So what is King David saying over here? Don't think that the way to behave is to keep Torah on a mechanic, in a, on a, a mechanical by rote way. You, you, don't, don't, don't make it boring. Because if it is, you're going to just, you're going to fall off the main path. You're going to go on, 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 on a side, side path. You need to, Always have a chayot, a, a, an energy about keeping Torah and about understanding it and, and finding yourself, giving yourself the opportunity to serve God with, 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 with enthusiasm. Lo eshkach devarecha, I'll not forget your word. Meaning that if I keep Torah enthusiastically, and I think that this is a, a very big comment on education, if you go ask your kids or if you even remember in um, in your own life, who are the people that you remember teaching you, you will know it was those people that came across with a lot of enthusiasm, with a lot of vibrancy, with a lot of encouragement, with a lot of aliveness in teaching. When people teach like that, when you, when you live your life like that, you pass it on to others with that same energy. But if you do things just because God said so, and it's so boring, but I'm just doing it just because I'm told to. Eventually, 
that lack of enthusiasm will make you deviate off the path and you will lose the plot. So David concludes the eight verses of Bina, of understanding, of perception, of delving into the Torah by encouraging us that our learning has to have a vibrancy. It has to have a highest. It has to have a, a life. It has, it has to come with a, with a, with a lot of energy and enthusiasm. And when we do so, we're guaranteed that not only will our lives be enthused, not only will we get a deeper understanding of what life's all about and how to embrace it, but we will pass it on to the next generation. So to all of you out there, have a wonderful week. We are going to be blessing the new moon. Um, please God on Shabbat. We are going to be welcoming in the month of Elul next week, which means that it's only another four weeks to Rosh Hashanah, four, four and a bit weeks to Rosh Hashanah. And uh, perhaps we just need to look into our own lives and ask ourselves the question, am I enthusiastic? Am I learning Torah? Am I understanding it? Am I delving it into to, to the manner that I should? Or have I just become a bit rusty and I'm doing things just, you know, because I have to? Now's the time to change your path, get back on the main highway of life. Find yourself a great Torah teacher, a great sheer download, podcast, do something and uh, give your Yiddishkeit an injection so that you can serve God with joy. Wishing you a wonderful week.